Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us today. If you take your bulletins out and open them to the section that's, that says Radical Hospitality, we'd like to frame our announcements in our five practices of fruitful congregations. We do our best to talk about these things, to live these things, to read these things, to make us the best church possible and to be fruitful in this community. First of which is Radical Hospitality. We want to make sure that um, you understand that both worship services are in the bulletin. Our traditional service will tell you everything you need to know and that Bibles and hymns, hymnals are there in front of you should you need them to participate. We have visitor cards and prayer cards in our pews if you would like to give us any type of information uh, about you, uh, contact information. Our office manager Leslie will reach out to you this week in the form that you give her. We also have prayer cards if you would like to participate in the prayer life of this church. If you would like to share a concern, a joy, uh, simply fill out that card. Place it in the um, offering plate and um, it will be given to our Tuesday prayer group and our staff. Also, anytime, 24-7, you can call the number on the front of the bulletin and leave a message. And um, if it's an emergency, we'll respond. If it's a prayer concern, we'll share it with our Tuesday prayer group. You're welcome to use it for either reason. Uh, we have new newsletters out this month. We have them on the first Sunday of every month, so make sure that you grab a newsletter on your way out. If you like to read digitally, it's in every Tuesday and Thursday the email, a headline at the top, and you can read an e-version of that. We believe in passionate worship, and you'll notice there's a poinsettia order form in your bulletin. If you'll fill that out and give it back to us if you would like to do that. Um, and the Blue Ridge High School Choir, 10th through 12th graders, will be singing in our service next week. It's a wonderful opportunity. They're going to pretty much take up this whole space. I met with the director and Renessa a couple months ago, and they are going to sing for us in the service. And they are going, uh, of which the uh, Shannon twins are in the group. They're going to sing for us on that Sunday, and we're going to take up an offering for them to help them travel to New York. They've got a wonderful opportunity up there, and our offering will help offset their cost uh, to go to that. So we're grateful for the opportunity to have them and, um, and, and give to them to support them. If you came in this way, you might have seen the black fence that's out from the social hall. If not, when you go out that way, look to your left and you'll see it. This is uh, the next phase in a prayer garden that's coming uh, in in the next month or so, there'll be a, um, a group that can plant uh, two weeks from yesterday. And you, if you would like to participate in that, you're certainly welcome to do that. I might not have done the math right. The 18th. Yeah. To, on Saturday the 18th at 9 o'clock, if you would like to help us plant. Uh, Aaron, our children and family director, is a uh, landscape architect. That was her degree from Clemson. And so she designed the prayer garden. It looks amazing. And uh, I think you'll uh, really love it, both um, for the look of it and for all the ways our groups can participate in it. Aaron is also doing Advent home family devotionals uh, throughout the season of Advent. You can get one. If, you'll, if you can, if you can email her, her first name, her email is always her first name at memorialgreer.com or tell Leslie to tell her. Um, she would love to get a number on the ones that she will use, uh, uh, that she will give out to people. Uh, anyone with children, without children, I think would benefit from using this devotional. 
We believe in intentional faith development. We have one change two weeks from today. That's Consecration Sunday, and so we won't have programming for children, youth, and adults uh, that day. We also have one 10 a.m. service on um, Consecration Sunday. And if you, um, we are taking reservations for the celebration dinner. It's free of charge. It's a Thanksgiving meal. If you have yet to fill out a card telling us yes or no, we want to know yes or no. It's either one is fine. If you would, um, uh, when the ushers come out, I'm going to have Bobby come out. If you'll raise your hand, if you need a card, we'll get you one. You can fill it out and let us know. Uh, we should just about have everybody. We've done it for a couple weeks. But if you need a reservation card for that dinner, please raise your hand and he'll get it for you. Uh, we believe in risk-taking mission and service. This past Wednesday, we decorated Thanksgiving boxes for um, the uh, Foundation Sunday School class that will deliver Thanksgiving meals uh, to this community. If you would like to help them do that, um, you'll hear about opportunities to sign up to join. It's a great opportunity to take a very full box of food to a family that would love to have it. We believe in extravagant generosity, and I'm going to call Hal Jones uh, forward. He's one of our consecration uh, speakers, if you'll come on up. Um, we're, uh, in each service, people are coming forward to tell us uh, how about how Memorial has affected their life, why it's significant to them um, as part of our Consecration Sunday process. Um, before he gets there, I'll tell you, we're going to have a survey coming out of all the volunteer opportunities in our church. The staff is looking at it one more weekend. There'll be a printed version. You you can circle just like we did for our leadership that was such an amazing success we put people exactly where they wanted to be on committees this is the volunteer side if you want to be in the choir if you want to be an usher if you want to help with children uh, so be on the lookout for that digitally on Tuesday and Thursday and in your hand the next two Sunday mornings thank you Hal Good morning <clears throat> a few weeks ago Marion Waters called me and asked me to speak on stewardship and what it means to me and right away I could think of a hundred excuses not to do this, but after thinking about what Marin Waters has done for this church and all the work programs he's been on, I decided the least I could do is stand up here and talk for about 30 minutes. <laughs> but what I would like to do is talk about three people in the Methodist Church who have been an inspiration to me on stewardship. The first of these was at Easley Methodist Church, First Methodist Church in Easley, where I was a member, and he was Lehman Frosty Balknight. And, excuse me, everybody called him Frosty because he had a little bit of white hair on the top of his head, but Frosty, taught ag engineering, uh, ag economics at Clemson. And if any of you have taken economics, you know it's not a very exciting course to take. But Frosty had a way of adding wit and humor to his teaching and made it an exciting thing to listen to. But he was also a Sunday school teacher at East of the First Methodist Church. And he taught the juniors and seniors and returning college students. Because a lot of college students that go to college and then they want to come back just to go to his Sunday school class. And Frosty and his wife Margaret were always very involved with the young people in the First Methodist Church. 
and he did, he and his wife did a lot of chaperoning of hay rides and, and square dances and parties that the youth had. But after graduating Easley High School, I went to Clemson, and one of the first things I did was meet a girl named Nancy Bonnet. And she was from Pine Hill in Orangeburg County. But we had a lot of classes together, and we started dating. And usually when you date a girl for a certain period of time, you have to go meet the parents. So I had to go find this Pine Hill community in Orangeburg, and we didn't have Google Maps. We had, you go to the filling station, and you get a fold-out map, and you fold that out, and it has the state of South Carolina. But Pine Hill was not on that map. <laughs> but it was between Orangeburg and Nieces, and it was a hill. And if you try to find a hill in Orangeburg County, it's about two feet high. <laughs> but I did find the home and went in to meet her parents, and I was real nervous at first, but they just turned out to be an old farm family. And I was taking agriculture at Clemson, so it became very easy to talk with them. And I got ready to come home, and they just insisted I go to church with them, which most, that's their social center. So I had to go to church on Sunday. And after church, usually you go out and you shake hands with the minister. Well, this minister was just at a seminary, and he came up and gave me this great big bear hug and kind of surprised me. But his name was George Strait. Most of you know him. And he's been giving me those bear hugs ever since. But he ended up marrying us, and uh, it was just a really good marriage. We were a little bit worried at first, but the marriage has lasted for about 55 years. And he has been an inspiration to Nancy and I all our lives. And today, he's still an inspiration. But after graduating high school, I mean, after graduating college, Nancy and I came to Greer, and um, we joined Memorial Methodist Church. And at that time, we were starting a young family and starting a home. And we didn't have much money to give to the church, but we did have a lot of time. I was in the canning business, and it's a seasonal thing, so you have a lot of extra time. So we donated our time and talents because we didn't have a whole lot of money to give. But I served on the board of trustees several times, and because I knew maintenance, I worked on a lot of leaky toilets and doors that wouldn't close and things in the church that wouldn't work. And we painted a lot of Sunday school classes. And Nancy worked with the nursery and the children's programs. And one of the things that I enjoyed working on was the furnace in this old sanctuary here. It was down in the basement. And we had three oil-fired boilers in the canneries, and it was very similar to the oil furnace here. So a lot of times on Sunday morning when the furnace didn't fire, they'd call me and I'd come up here and work on the little furnace and get it back going. 
But after a number of years, our business grew and we didn't have as much time to donate to the church, but we did, were able to give more gifts and money. And that reminds me of the third inspirational person to me was Merle State, who was a member of this church. And Merle State realized there was a real need to feed some of the less fortunate people in Greer. And he wanted to start a soup kitchen. And he would come by our plant and we'd give him cases of green beans and peaches, tomatoes, applesauce, and fruit juices. And he started the soup kitchen here in Greer. And he worked with that for years, and then later it developed into the Daily Bread Ministries, which today still feeds a number of hot meals to people here in Greer. But he's always been an inspiration to me to go out and help other people. <clears throat> but this next Sunday or coming up is Consecration Sunday, and that's a time for all of us to go give back to the church and give back to the community. Thank you. Y'all hear me talk all the time. It's fun to hear y'all talk. Fun to hear y'all say things. Will Lavender spoke on behalf of his family in the nine o'clock service. You know why they came to Memorial? George Strait. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, if you'll please stand as you're able and join us in our first hymn, number 711.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture reading today is from Psalm chapter 34, verses 1 through 7. And this is found on page 871 in your pew Bible. Of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is a special day in which we celebrate those that we've lost in the last 12 months. I'll read the name and the date of the person. Don will ring a bell and Ella Kate will light a candle in their honor. We have one extra candle and what we understand is this is one part of your life. I know that it's a major part but I know there are other parts of your life in which you've experienced loss of someone. And we are going to light an extra candle for all those that we aren't naming in our bulletin but that you've lost uh, in your life as well. Ben R. McClyman, January 15th. 2017.
Ellen Rogers, January 22nd, 2017. Max Dolder, February 9th, 2017. Bill Davis, March 3rd, 2017. Katherine Johnson, April 7th, 2017. Bob Burnett, April 24th, 2017. Ann Dobson, April 27th, 2017. Terry Kinnamore, May 25th, 2017. Margaret Williams, May 28th, 2017. Catherine Dobson. June 14th, 2017. We light a candle in your other spheres of life in which you've lost a loved one that you deeply care for in the last 12 months. If you'll please stand as you're able. Let us pray. Gracious God, we cannot count the number of times we've been helped, inspired, taught, mentored by Ben, Ellen, Max, Bill, Catherine, Bob, Ann, Terry, Margaret, Catherine, and those other faithful servants in our life that we name in our hearts in this moment. For these precious souls, we give thanks. We give thanks for what they meant to us. We ask that you help us to remember the gifts that they brought, those gifts of some of which that we have ourselves that we will offer more of in their name. We will remember them by their words of love and their acts of service. We will pray for their families today. We will think of them as holidays come. Help us, Lord, as we read the text today and we hear the word blessed. 
in the midst of loss, when we're poor in spirit, in the midst of death, when we mourn, we are blessed. And for that we are grateful. Comfort, guide, inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering. If you can give as the plate goes by, and you can also give electronically with instructions in the bulletin in the section under extravagant generosity.
Please be seated. For months, we have worked our way through Matthew as part of what's called Year A in the lectionary. A new year starts in Advent, um, starting in December, and we will be in the last parts of the passages of looking at Matthew uh, for a good while. The interesting part about today is as we worked through 18, 19, 21, 22, today we go back to chapter 5. One of the very first things um, before we look at the final parts of the text um, in the coming weeks. So chapter 5, um, starting with verse 1, is on page 1501 in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along or within a couple of pages of that. Candles flicker behind us, representing love, talent, dedication, service. These candles represent laughter, tears, hugs, handshakes, countless ones. These candles represent people who believed in God and God's Son, Jesus. The significance of of the words of God for these people was passed on to us and has a great deal to do with why we're here today. 
and one of the fundamental stories that started the whole thing was the story that we'll read today of the Beatitudes, of Jesus taking followers, disciples, up on a hill to give them a significant message that was the kickoff of the major part of his ministry. Matthew 5, starting with verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you leave it open, if you'd like to read along. So he says to those people, when you're poor in spirit, and that could go one of a couple directions, and you'll see experts say both. One talks about humility. When you are not arrogant in the words that you think, in the words that you share, in the actions that you have, when arrogance doesn't dominate what you're going to do, but instead humility does. He says to these people on this hill beside one of the more beautiful lakes and settings you will ever see in your life, being humble and poor in spirit is incredibly significant. You're blessed by God. But there's another direction that it could go that I think has equal validity. I think they both matter. Is when you are tired. When you're scared. When you're broken down, when things have gone awry for one reason or another in your home, in your church, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. He says, blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. He says, blessed are you when you mourn. And when we think about losing people, when we think about death, there is a great deal of mourning that is a very wide spectrum. I've been with people when they said it was too soon. Before the baby was born, just as the baby was born, he was just a child, he was just a teenager, she was only 25. I said it was too soon. But I've been with people who have experienced great pain that the pain is extending and the person has not gone, has not passed on and think, why in the world would God see fit for this person to suffer? I could almost guarantee that every one of you has experienced both of those and everything in between. But when we think about modern medicine, in terms of being too soon, we think modern medicine, and this is the most sophisticated medicine procedures we have ever had in human history. Shouldn't happen. But it can't beat death. And that same modern medicine, which is the best in human history, can press us beyond points in life in which the body typically would not have made it. And so sometimes even that miracle of medicine can cause us great pain as well. He says, blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you mourn. 
And these are people on that hillside who have experienced death, they've experienced warfare, they've experienced conflict and pain that has gone on far longer than they could figure they could ever bear. And there's one side of that that we would be accustomed to. When we feel pain, when we feel loss, when we feel regret, people come around us and they comfort us and they say, I love you, I'm grateful for you. I can be here, I can do anything. We're accustomed to that. These people would be accustomed to that. But this is a beyond revolutionary statement to people who are accustomed to hearing that every detail of their life is deeply connected to how life pays off. So much of the belief system of the people of that time who read the book that we call the Old Testament, which was their scripture, says, well, you were defeated today because you didn't. You experienced death today because you, whatever. And so they figure every single detail is tied to my performance in prayer and thought and deed. Therefore, if I'm experiencing pain, death, and loss, must have done something. You think it yourself before anybody ever says it, and this crowd would be prone to say it. Think about Job. Think about his dearest friend saying, man, you must have done something. I don't know what it was. Maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Maybe you did something you should not have done. Maybe you should have done something you just sat there because God is clearly punishing you. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus shared this ministry to people and people who still gather in Jesus' name still do it, don't we? We don't do it like they did in which it was every single thing was deeply connected, but we do it. We say, man, how could I be sick again? How could this person be sick again? Why doesn't God stop this? Jesus says, blessed are you. Which is deeply different than God is absent from you. When you are poor in spirit, when you are mourning. This is a revolutionary statement to those people. So revolutionary that even those who believed it, that it passed it on to us for 2,000 years, it's still there. We still do it. Jesus says, blessed are you. How are these people blessed? If they believe it, if they live it, there's no more wondering if God is punishing you when you're experiencing loss or death. There's simply knowing that that's part of this human life. It's part of the fragility that is our creation. As strong as we think it is. Um, verse 5. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. How about that phrase, hunger and thirst? We have a lot of food, don't we? How often do you truly experience hunger for an extended amount of time? 
I do here Monday to Thursday. I don't eat lunch till 2. I'm just running around. And then all of a sudden, like at 1.45, I think, I'm starving. I've got to eat something. I don't eat on Sunday morning. Can't do it. Too nervous. And though my family sacrifices a great deal for me to be here, and they give a great deal to me to make sure everything works, if you impede our pursuit and consumption of lunch on Sunday, there's trouble. Don't get in my way when I'm Sunday hungry. Right? What about uh, an athletic event, a hike, uh, um, a family reunion? I wouldn't work family reunion because you got drinks. Some kind of athletic uh, movement and you think, oh, I should have had more water. I wish I'd brought a water bottle. Or a child who forgets a water bottle on game day. And the water fountain's a good hundred yards that way. That hunger and that thirst, that feeling that I'm not going to be okay if I don't fix this one way or the other is what Jesus is telling these people. I want you to be hungry for it. I want you to be thirsty for the thing I'm telling you as if you were truly hungry and truly thirsty. What's significant about these people that are gathered around them? Up to that point, the majority of the people would have been excluded if it was any significant religious gathering. Moses went up the mountain. How many people went with him? Entire nation stayed at the bottom. Even Jesus took specific disciples up on a mountain and his face was transfigured before them. Where was everyone else? Bottom of the mountain. Now, the scripture says he took them up a mountain. I've been very close within uh, at least a mile or two where the way you look at it, you're not sure exactly where it happened. It's a lot of rolling hills. You wouldn't call it, um, uh, you, you wouldn't get any cardio going up this hill. But every single person is invited. There's only one thing that separates them. Hunger and thirst. Do you want it bad enough to walk over here? To climb up here? That's it. Whereas before, they would have been excluded based on any number of reasons. So you think about opportunities in your life in which you had no shot at the thing, whatever it was. Because your name wasn't the name, because your grades weren't the grades, because your um, boss didn't want to give you an opportunity to apply, whatever it may be. And then you think about those times in which all it was was about desire. That's it. If you had enough desire, you would get it. I think about um, calculus in high school. <laughs> nah. I didn't have the desire in that one. Didn't fight for it. Didn't succeed in any way, shape, or form. And now I feel regret for all the high school math teachers that are in our congregation telling them that. But it's true. History. Loved it. English. Loved it. Reading. Loved it. Pursued it. And that difference between whether you want it or not can be a pretty big gap. And those in your relationship, those in your church, those in your workforce, they know it, they can tell it when you want it or do not. This is a total shift. Anyone can participate as long as they're willing to walk up. It's simply about effort. And the phrase children of God, this used to mean one group. Any idea who? nation of Israel. Anybody in our borders that was for us. If you read 
the scriptures we call the Old Testament, time and time again, they were praying to defeat the other nation. They were walking around and they were playing the horn and the walls were falling down and they were conquering them for Israel. In the Psalms they say, my enemies are coming for me. Vanquish them so that I can be strong again for Israel. Jesus is saying that definition of the children of God is expanding beyond your borders. That's even more revolutionary. That's two things. Now you think about how hard that is to fight. This is now again 2,000 years later. And how often do we hear our leaders say what? God bless America. Do we want America to be blessed by God? Absolutely. Do we want to be a blessing and offer we give to the entire world in every way and shape and form we can? Absolutely. Do we exclusively say, God bless America and that's it? Not if we follow this text. He says, the children of God is going beyond the people you know and love. That's even more revolutionary and would be really hard to take for those people. And it's absolutely why when Jesus goes to Jerusalem, all the texts we've been reading for two months, they gave him serious trouble for it. You're letting too many people in and you're including others in your prayer and acceptance. So how are these people blessed? An opportunity to start something special. The fact that they are now included and the thing that they have a choice now. After being included, you got a choice. You can either say, well, the line stops here. I'm included. I mean, me. Or, I'm included and so are you. Significant. Verse 10. The tone changes entirely. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm. It's different now. You were going to do what? People are going to do what? It's not just about inclusion. It's not just about getting fed. It's not just about this group expanding, and that's amazing. The very fact that you want to expand it and include more people is going to cause the leadership of your faith and of your nation turn on you and persecute you. Y'all still in? That's what he's saying. He's saying when your own neighbors... When your political leaders, when your religious leaders turn on you, it'd be super easy to figure God is definitely against this. There's no way God wants this to succeed because the political and religious forces in my face are trying to smash it. Fascinating. All these aspects in this one text. He says, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted. How hard is that? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to rejoice and be glad when we're simply impeded, much less persecuted. But he's telling them the thing you are doing is entirely significant. 
there's more candles that flicker behind us. Behind the candles that we lit today. We light them every single Sunday. And they represent the light of Christ. The light of Christ that came to earth in human form that knew our brokenness, that knew our sin, that knew our pain, that knew that human brokenness would turn on him and ultimately take his life and said you are blessed. So as you're going throughout this season, as you're traveling a little more than you'd like, as you stand in lines that are a little longer than you like, as you have relatives over that aren't your absolute favorite. As you sit around that table and you've lost a loved one who would be there with an enormous smile, hugs, and caring love. In all those phases, you remember this text. And you remember that you hear that God is not against you in that pain. God is amongst you. And you are blessed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand and join me in our final hymn, number 66. should go out that door um, to your car look to your left in the social hall and you'll see the black gate that's the start of the prayer garden remember that we'll be given a donation to uh, the way um, 
Ali, um, Blue Ridge High School Choir for their trip to New York City. And remember in every phase, in sickness and in health, in joy and in sadness, in life and in death, you are blessed for God is with you. Amen.